Hey everybody, welcome to the Blue Collar Built Podcast, the show about two brothers who are sharing their experience as they're going through it. What's going on? That's it. Glad to have you back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, golfing was fun last weekend. Yeah? How'd yeah. you guys do? We did alright. Yeah. We could have done better. We should have done better, but it was still a fun time. Well, you had... Alex was still recovering from Yeah, he COVID was. So he hadn't golfed in a while. I hadn't golfed in a while. Tyler hadn't golfed in a while. Right. We shot minus 10, but... I think man, that's good. Is that good? It's mediocre. Okay. It's mediocre. There's but you two, definitely didn't win. No, because there's two... Well, there's two flights, and we are at, like... So first, second, third... There's, like, 26 teams, so there's two flights. It's 1 to 13, and then... 14 to 26. Okay. So the one, two, and three spots in the first flight win money. Mm-hmm. And in the second flight, the 14, 15, and 16. And we are right on the edge. Both win the same amount of money too, which is which is weird. That's interesting. But yeah, so we are still in the first flight. So we did better than half of the people there. But okay. Yeah, that's good. But like minus 18 probably won it. Yeah. So we are a couple of strokes behind. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, yeah. We did some working on Saturday, didn't we? We did. Yeah. We got, well, because we, I mean, we worked every day this week, but yeah, we I didn't wasn't... get a lot of, we didn't get another, we could have gotten one more project in, but the rain was just too. It sucked too, because it didn't rain really. No, it didn't. Was it Friday it, that it what day? Friday one of the it day. rained. Wednesday it was supposed to rain. Friday it actually rained. So yeah. when you have two days like that where it's like rain Wednesday and then rain Friday, well, you're not going to tear anything out Thursday. Yeah. You're not going to tear anything out Tuesday. Yeah, and I was telling people, like, I'm going to have a slow week. It didn't really right. end up being a slow week. No, we ended up pouring a couple times. Yeah. We poured Monday. We poured Tuesday. We poured Thursday. Mm-hmm. So we still, I mean, we still got work in for sure. And then we ended up just saying, okay, well, since we didn't get our tear out done, we'll just do it Saturday. Yeah. So yeah, we work Saturday. It's a little tricky explaining to people like the weather with our, it's like, well, you see rain in the forecast, you kind of chalk it, but not, not necessarily. You chalk it up until the day of, like, yeah. I don't ever make a rain decision until the morning, that morning. That's what I was explaining because- we're helping someone. We help somebody on Saturday. We're doing the tear out, so it's technically not our job. If that was our job, I feel like we probably would have been doing. We would have been tearing it out th- before that week. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we just got hired to do the tear out, so it's whenever they want to do the tear out. It's not I mean, your we'll call. Show up, right? Yeah. It's, it's not my call. Yeah. So, but no, you're absolutely right. We would have done that. Yeah. That's what I was saying. I'm like, yeah, John would have been, we would have been working on Wednesday. Yeah. Hopefully you found out. Hopefully this week we'll uh, get a couple more business opportunities going for our company, which Mm -hmm. is big. Yeah. So just continue the growth. Just keep helping. Got a couple more uh, positions opened with two other companies that want us to work with them on on projects, Mm -hmm. which is huge. And they're bigger bigger companies so yeah definitely. that'll be that'll help our bottom dollar and our growth expansion drastically yeah getting Big in time. with those bigger companies is going to help us out a lot yeah yeah we'll we'll really hit the fast forward button if we can make this deal 
and both of them work. So that'll be good. Well, this week, it's been a while, so we're going to go go through some headlines. One, personally, that I've been chomping at the bit to talk about because it's so easy. It's my low-hanging fruit, if I'm being honest. Um, I pulled this one from CNN, but it's really been all over everywhere. And the headline reads, Don't Cook Chicken in NyQuil. <laughs> FDA warns about dangerous social media challenge. First of all, before I read any part of this article, are are people really that stupid? At least it's not Tide Pods this time. Okay, <laughs> same, same, same deal. What the hell are people thinking? What were people? Were they were they smoking Tide Pods or just straight up eating? Eating. I remember them. that they were eating, they were just them. eating them. Yeah, there was another challenge that was like. It was like, see how much Benadryl you could eat. Oh, that's real smart. That was another one that was going around. Mm. So anyways, let me read some of this. CNN. Want to cook chicken in NyQuil? Overdose on antihistamines, which was that one I was just telling you about. Mm -hmm. Swallow laundry detergent pods. (laughs) While most of us would recoil in the horror from such dangerous suggestions, adolescents and youth and young adults continue to be susceptible to social media dares like these. One social media trend relying on peer pressure is online video clips of people misusing non-prescription medications and encouraging viewers to do so as well. These video challenges, which offer target youth with which often target youths, can harm people and even cause death. One recent challenge posted on social media encouraged people to cook chicken in a mixture of acetaminophen, dextromethorphan, and doxalimin, which is the basic ingredients of NyQuil. Mm. So if you don't have those three, just grab a bottle of NyQuil to throw in the crock pot and then drop your chicken in there. And some similar over-the-counter cough and cold products. Boiling a medication can make it much more concentrated and change its properties in other ways, the FDA has stated. Even if you don't eat the chicken, inhaling the medication vapors while cooking could cause high levels of the drug to enter your body and it could hurt your lungs. The agency also pointed to a TikTok challenge daring people to hallucinate by taking large doses of over-the-counter antihistamines called the Benadryl Challenge. The FDA cited reports of teens ending up in hospital emergency rooms or dying after participating. The teenage brain isn't fully developed. Clearly. (laughs) (laughs) According to the American Academy of Pediatrics, in fact, The prefrontal cortex, which manages rational thought, problem-solving, and consequences doesn't fully develop until your mid-20s. That's why teens and young adults are often impulsive and more prone to act without considering the ramifications. Kids won't necessarily stop to consider that laundry detergent is a poison and that can burn their throats and damage their airways, or that misusing medications like Benadryl can cause serious heart problems, seizures, and a coma. What they will focus on is the popular kid in the class did this and got hundreds of likes and comments. 
social media rewards outrageous behavior, and the more outrageous, the bigger the bragging rights. Okay, here's the problem. This is happening more and more often now, and it's getting more extreme and more extreme. Mm-hmm. And you and I, and hopefully 90%, I'm, I'm going to say hopefully 99% of adults mm-hmm. understand that this is not okay. No. The problem is, and this is why kids under a certain age should not be allowed to be on social media because they don't have the ability to judge what is correct or what I should and shouldn't do. They haven't, they haven't lived life enough to understand good and bad, right? essentially, which is the whole well, point of growing up. Their decisions are just outrageous. Back in my day, I mean, we did dumb shit, but we it's like we smoked a cigarette. Exactly. Why can't they just do that shit? Right? Why you got to go eat a fucking Tide Pod or cook your chicken in NyQuil? When it was when I was growing up, it was let's get smashed. Yeah. Which was like drinking five beers because we never drank before. Yeah. Like we never. I never. Dude, or if we ever were like mixing things, mm-hmm. it was like one thing I can remember was we wanted to see how much caffeine and sugar we could get. Uh, you yeah. know, it was something like that. Like we would mix pop with green tea and we'd put like a cup of sugar in it and dump a Kool-Aid in there. <laughs> yeah. And that got you going. I'm sure it did. But, and then you crashed real bad, but it didn't put us in the hospital. I don't. <clears throat> it wasn't don't... a chemical. Where do these ideas even come from? Like, I don't understand. That's the problem. So, where do these generate? Like, how, my guess is there, because there's probably not, like, a kid who's like, yeah, go eat a Tide Pod. That's what I was thinking. So, when I was younger, there'd be stupid shit like, hey, well, you should eat that. It could be a bug. It could be something stupid. I'm just like, no, I'm not going to do that. Right. But I think that's where social media comes into effect is where someone gets asked a dumb question like that and they're like, well, I could, this could pop off on social media. So then they do it. And that's the difference, right? Because it'd be one thing to go, okay, I'll eat a cricket for views. It's yeah. another thing to go. Fuck, you could even I'll, do that. What's I'll wrong eat with eating a, a cricket? Right? <laughs> like, There's so many other things that my mind would go to before I picked up Benadryl and or a Tide Pod, or boiled my chicken in NyQuil yeah, that's, when I was a kid. That's my point. We had, we still, like, yeah, your brain's not fully developed, but you still have, like, a little bit of awareness of, like, what's going to, like, really hurt you and what's not going to. Right. Right? Yeah. That's what's mind-boggling Well, me. but I think back to, like, if I was a kid and I'm, like, thinking, like, because like, we didn't have social media when I was a teenager. Right. Yeah. Um. So in my mind, I to put myself in the kids' shoes today, not and this is not justifying it, but without understanding how bad that is for you, I'd be like, oh, it's just one. Like, it's probably not going to do anything to me. Yeah. That would be my state of rationale as a teenager. Yeah. You know, just like you were saying, okay, I smoked a cigarette when I was 15. Oh, it's just one. It's not, not going to kill me. I just want to try mm-hmm. it. Or yeah, drinking a beer. But those things you've seen adults do. So you're like, okay, right. well, it's partially, well, cigarettes aren't safe. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, you're like, oh, they do it, so it's not going to kill me. Right. Like, and that's a valid point. I mean, 
hopefully no kid is like watch their parent down some NyQuil with the chicken. That possibility, <laughs> I think, is just not even maybe, but somewhere. It, it just ropes back to my whole argument of how social media is just meant to die. Yeah. Well, my, we'll I mean, I, about I have that. no, I have honestly at this point, I have no, and I know like our businesses are on social media, but mm-hmm. I am personally not on social media. I don't care what happens on social media. It's just not a good thing. And I know it didn't start out that way. And there's people who will argue because I always hear this when people go, well, aren't you on social media? And I go, no. People defend themselves by being on social media by saying this. Well, I just stay on there to stay in touch with people. Okay, if you really want to be in touch with people, we all have a phone that makes calls and sends texts. Why does it have to be through an instant message on Facebook or Instagram or like that's just kind of a cop out to say I do it to stay in touch. I understand social media wasn't invented to become what it has become, but it was also invented to adapt to change as it went, which is kind of scary because if this is what teens and young kids are doing now, what's it going to be like in five years if we don't do something about it? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, me personally, I mean, I use social media, but it's mainly for just news or entertainment to it's like a youtube page for me honestly like i just look at it there's videos on there like highlights from sports maybe big local topics like i follow local news on there if anything happens but i don't really like my twitter page is literally i'm just following like 30 or 40 different things and i have no followers i have none of my friends on twitter facebook's different but and i think that if but that's every... where I get triggered more is on Facebook. Oh, because well, yeah. I see I see what my friends are posting and it's just dumb shit most of the time. Well, and that's the other thing too is this this gratification you get from how many views you've had. Like you yeah. shouldn't you shouldn't be able to see that. Yeah, that was real for me back in high school. I really cared about that. Right. Like you shouldn't have you shouldn't be able to see how many likes your video got because what's that, that especially if you're doing something dangerous like popping a bunch of Benadryl, that's gonna make you want to escalate to the next thing if you're a young yeah. kid, right? Yeah. Cause now you're popular. Yeah, and we could take that that's like what we talked about two weeks ago. People that get a bunch of likes and a bunch of retweets and a bunch of shares, like that their social media page defines them. And right. that's not what their real life is actually like. No, it's just doing extreme stupid stuff to mm-hmm. get friends, and I'm using air quotes, friends, yeah, or views, and then it makes you feel important, but mm-hmm. it's not real. Yeah, exactly. It goes away. Mm-hmm. You might drop a comment to say something shocking or to get into an argument with somebody to create this, generate this mm-hmm. ongoing thing. Well, guess what? Next week, that's old news. Now, what are you going to do? And you got to keep, and it just keeps a snowball effect. I don't know. I just don't see anymore. Seems like there's a lot of, there's more bad than there is good at the moment coming from social media, but that could change. I agree with that statement. 
There's definitely there's good things about social media, but I think the bad are definitely outweighing the good at yeah. this very moment. Well, and that's like anything else, right? You're gonna have there's always gonna be a bad side and a good side to just mm-hmm. about everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's when it becomes a point like this where it just kind of is getting out of control. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's up in the air. Let us know what you think. Next one. This is from uh, Fortune. Millennials want to live a soft life, and it's changing how they work. More and more younger generations are opting to live soft lives, rejecting the struggle, stress, and anxiety that come with working a traditional 9-to-5 career and grinding out your days on life's hamster wheel. There are some people who live to work. They relish being a hustler, grinding it out. They chortle at your 9-to-5 regimen, and they can't understand why anyone would be attracted to quiet quitting. Who's that sound like? Who are you talking about? This paragraph reads, there's some people who live to work. They relish being a hustler, grinding it out. They chortle at your 9-to-5 regimen, and they can't understand why anyone would be attracted to quiet quitting. Quiet quitting. Yep. What is that exactly? Th- that paragraph points to me because I, I don't understand why anybody would be attracted to what we're about to talk about. I get about. the 9 to 5 part, but I don't understand the quiet quit. What is this? Then, then there are those who work only to live the life Instagram fabricates, which touches exactly on what we just said. Okay. They collect their paycheck and take it to Lisbon or Paris or Madrid where they flood social media with images of all the experiences their hard-earned cash brought them. But Dar LaBeach is one is part of a new ilk who are out here just living to live. Life has changed a lot in the last two years and many people are embracing a so-called soft life, a rejection of the struggle, stress, and anxiety that come with working a traditional 9-to-5 career and spinning away your days on life's hamster wheel. Instead, living the soft life is about throwing yourself into joy and prioritizing the riches of experience. In the midst of the pandemic, LaBeach was at a crossroads and decided it was time to make a dramatic change. After being laid off from his marketing job in New York City, he went to Mexico. He had an earning between one hundred to 150000 a year but was stressed, disenchanted, and tired of living for something other than himself. It was very much, fuck all this, LaBeach tells Fortune. His lo- he lost his job on Tuesday, booked a flight on Wednesday, and by the end of the week he was sitting on a beach in Oaxa, Mexico. He needed a break to breathe. It was while I was there, I realized I can only do this in a sustainable, I can really do this in a sustainable way. Be on a beach, frolic, just live. I realized, wow, I don't need to be in New York. I really learned, leaned into the idea that if I need it, I'll figure it out. LaBeach31 splits his time between New York and Mexico nowadays. He's able to do so without spending more than 1000 a month for rent in either city. When in Mexico, he primarily rents places via Airbnb, and he shares an apartment with a roommate in Brooklyn. He had some savings set aside when he opted to shift his focus away from work, and he received a severance package when he lost his job, though he says it was pretty insignificant. The beach says he doesn't worry about money, and he admits that he 
that he's only fortunate enough to live this way now because he opted into capitalism for so long. Hmm. So the idea is that it's kind of split there. Yeah. Cause I like what that dude is doing kind of. I do, but not, and we old. all are going to do it. Not at the age of 31. Yeah. The dude was making six figures. Yeah. So you can afford to do that. He probably saved and had a decent amount of money. Mm-hmm. And when he got when he got fired, he did get a severance, although it doesn't say how much. He says it wasn't a lot, but that's yeah, not real. I mean, a lot to him could be a little to me, or could mm-hmm. be a lot to him, could be even more than what I yeah. think a lot is. Yeah, I think what I like about this is he said he's tired of the nine to five shit which me and you both understand. Mm-hmm. I mean, to a certain extent. Within a corporation, 9 to 5, that's what I'm kind of trying to get at. But he didn't go pursue, like, something else. He kind of right. just is like, well, I'm just going to go vacation. I'm just giving up yeah, is how I read it. that's what I don't that. like about it. So that's like me just quitting my old job and just being like, I'm fucking done. I'm here. done, right. Obviously, I didn't have the money to do that, but... No, and that's part of the problem that I find with this whole I I see a lot of articles that are like promoting this new quiet quitting. Like I'm just mm-hmm. it's not necessarily people who are quitting their jobs necessarily. It's people who aren't going over and above to do or be any better. Yeah. And I'm it's all just for like I'm just gonna be mediocre. Yeah, like I said, I'm all for with quitting that putting your corporation and trying to like do something on your own, but maybe not necessarily whole different, whole different thing. Yeah. It These is. people are just like, and I get it. They're trying to de-stress and, Oh, I don't find joy in my life. And it's like, cause you're to me, you're looking at it all wrong. And again, I'm very biased because I enjoy to do what I do and work the long hours yeah. and because I see how it benefits. I see how it's bettering my life. Mm-hmm. And I understand that's not for everybody. I get it. But these articles are pretty much telling the up and coming like college kids, like, listen, you don't have to go out and do like, you can just kind of be free. And it's like, money, yeah, though. yeah. Get, try that. See how well that works for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You definitely got to have money to do what that dude's doing. Yeah. He said he's not worried about money, but. 20, well, 20 years, you can be worried about, unless you're a multi, multi-millionaire with investments that are making you money. Yeah, but then that's a whole other, that's a whole that's other topic the, again. The average college kid isn't doing that. So this whole no. quiet quitting thing is like, I, I just don't get it. Aren't people, don't people have ambitions? Like, don't you want to go out and become something for yourself? Yeah, I'm sure people do. One thing I don't understand is, and I and I'm starting to well I've already learned it but it's just evident that like working makes your time off so much fucking better yes so much better it's like you have a hard week and the weekend comes you're like yes mm-hmm. this feels good I can relax mm-hmm. and your time is so much better when when you're off because you actually worked hard during the week I totally agree I mean that's part of why I do what I do I again, I there are times I do it a little extreme, you know. I might go a month without 
taking time off, but mm-hmm. it's for that reason that you just stated. Mm-hmm. If if I take a if I declare that I'm gonna take a certain day off, it's kind of the same reason why I don't plan a rest day for my workouts. Yeah. If I intentionally go, I'm taking every Saturday and Sunday off. Eventually, those Saturdays and Sundays aren't as enjoyable as they would be if I didn't plan them and just went, you know what? It's time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's so much more rewarding to me. Yeah. Because then if you have a bunch of time off, then you get bored, dude. Yeah. What you do get you bored do? bored and, like, then, then that's when the questions arise with, what am I going to do with my life? Yeah. Working, it sucks sometimes, but I mean, it makes your time off so much better. And it's important because it allows you to do other things, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you earn that money, and that money can be invested. It can be donated. It can be used for your own personal mm-hmm. whatever hobbies you, you want. So to say this, you know, I don't know. I just it's to me, this is kind of like showing me that people are just kind of like giving in to wanting to live a mediocre lifestyle. And yeah. and that's fine. Teach I, their not, own though, right? Exactly. And I'm good with that. It's just when things like this are promoted, mm-hmm. it's very easy for kids who haven't had to learn that you do have to work hard to get where you want to get. It just gives them an out. It's like, oh, well, I'm quiet quitting. Yeah. Because it's the easy way. It's the easy thing to do. Yeah. And they just honestly... They, to me, it sounds like they just give up on their life because working is fun. Fun. Right. If you find the right thing to do, you should enjoy your job to some extent, right? Yes. They're not enjoying their jobs, so then they're just give no. up. And I'm not I'm not saying you shouldn't like make a career change if you're in a blah state or you're in high stress. I think that's what they need to do instead of just saying, Oh, I don't like this, I'm giving up on fucking everything. Yeah. No, go well, find something else that's going to bring you happiness, but you're going to be working and making money. Like, And we have a perfect example of this and, mm-hmm. and soon to be in our family. Mm-hmm. She was in a high-stress environment. She quit. She went to a very low-stress, what I would call easier job, mm-hmm. and she was absolutely not happy with it. So guess what? She's going right back to what was stressful but she was enjoying it yeah exactly and that and people need to find that it the, takes time the grass to find isn't it. always greener and you yeah. can't figure it all out in a year when it comes to your career yeah i was lucky i mean i only went through two jobs to find this one right so, and i'm this is forever yeah so look at i mean look at where i went it takes longer college dropped out of college because i couldn't figure it out mm-hmm. military left the military Came home, poured concrete for a little bit, started my own business. That fell through, went back to concrete, and made a business out of that. Mm -hmm. And now I'm just hitting it stride after stride. It takes time. Mm -hmm. We just don't, we don't see that Yeah, that dude's only 31. Crazy. Yeah. And he's already like, I'm out. Mm -hmm. All right. On to our next one. This is another one from Fortune. We're entering the next stage of the housing market downturn. Three things to expect heading forward. I think this is important because it's... 
housing market kind of correlates. It's a it's an easy way to see where our economy's at, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So the first thing won't go. I'll just kind of briefly go through them because they're all really long. Again, it's on Fortune if you want to go check it out. Number one, the home price correction is spreading. The 98 major regional housing markets where home prices are already following. And there's a map that kind of shows, I mean, most of it's east and west coast, obviously. Um, A few in the south, but nothing really super north or midwest area quite yet. As mortgage rates spike going from 3.2 to 6.3 this year, industry insiders knew it'd cause a sharp contraction in housing activity. However, many housing bulls thought it wouldn't pull prices down. In March, Zillow went as far as to predict another 17.8% jump in home prices over the coming year. It's clear that housing bulls got it wrong. Among the 148 regional housing markets tracked by John's, John Burns Real Estate Consulting, 98 housing markets have seen values fall from their 2022 peaks. Just 50 markets remain at their peak. Number two, the housing downturn will soon spread beyond housing. And this is kind of what I was saying. It's a good indicator of kind of what will happen. On a one-year, on a year-over-year basis, the ongoing housing downturn has seen new home sales and existing home sales fall from 29.6% to 20%. Real estate firms like RedfinRealtor.com and Compass have already issued layoffs. Home builders are calling off projects while some mortgage lenders are teetering on bankruptcy. That said, most of the financial pain of the housing downturn has been contained within the real estate industry. That's about to change. Researchers at Goldman Sachs recently released a paper titled The Housing Downturn, Further to Fall. The investment bank forecasts that U.S. housing GDP will drop 8.9% in 2022 and another 9.2% in 2023. In the lead up to the Great Recession, which officially started in December 2007, housing GDP fell by 7.4% in 2006 and 21.4% in 2007. If Goldman Sachs is right, it'll mean the contract, the contractions in the U.S. housing market will soon sprawl out into the broader economy. That's no surprise. After all, the Federal Reserve has upended the federal funds rate in an attempt to slow the economy. As home shoppers across the country put their home search on pause, it causes home builders to pull back. That sees decreased demand for things like refrigerators, lumbers, windows, and paint. Those economic contractions should, in theory, help to rein in running away inflation. Number three, sellers are calling a timeout. As the pandemic housing boom fizzles out this summer, We saw inventory jump across the country in bubbly markets like Austin and Boise. The inventory jump was greater than 300% between March and August. Which, I mean, you look at the housing market regularly, right? Yeah, multiple times a week, yeah. What? In our area. Yeah, what, I mean, is there more available now than there was maybe in spring? More available because people are still asking the same prices for their houses that aren't worth Right, what they think they're worth, especially with the increase in interest rates. Like you can't. Six months ago, you could. Now you can't. Right. 
but yeah, houses are sitting a lot longer now. But like I said, the prices are still up there. Right. Which they, I mean, they'll, I don't know if they'll drop. I'm no housing market expert. Yeah. So yeah, you've seen houses sticking around. Yeah. Yeah. I and, guess. And it's more based off of price. It's kind of what you're getting at. Price plus interest rate. Interest. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I mean, people just aren't able to afford to offer that over because the interest rate's too high. Their no. monthly payment's already going to kill them. Yep. So, I don't know. It's difficult for me because I really want to buy a house. I think I've stated that before on this podcast because mm-hmm. I'm just kind of... And right now is not a horrible time to be in an apartment, but because I haven't seen my rent really... I think it's going up by like 40 bucks. No, but that like is that. one thing I've heard is like rents are starting to really go up because peop- because these companies know that people aren't going to be able to afford to buy houses, yeah. so they're going to have to rent. Which that makes sense. I don't know if that's happening in the Midwest or it's definitely not happening in my apartment complex because, I mean, 40 bucks. No, and we're the good thing about being living where we do live, like I'm not saying like, we don't get completely affected by that. We don't it's get the extreme extreme not like extreme. you do on the West Coast or East Coast. Right. And that that is a good thing about living where we live. We we see this stuff take place. We definitely don't feel the effect of it as great as, mm-hmm. like you said, yeah. East, West Coast, Southern. Um, They get hammered with it. Yeah, it bleeds time. through. But it's, it's somewhat equivalent to, like, what our – income is around this area right right like our gas prices aren't seven dollars like they probably are in california they're almost five dollars right or four which is still extreme to us yeah which that's extreme to us so it's all relative i think but yeah well it's just crazy to me that like you go to like california or florida and i've heard this tons of times and like a house like mine would be like an eight hundred thousand dollar home. Yeah. In California. Yeah. It's just insane. Yeah. Almost a million dollar like, house. It wouldn't even I just that's one thing I won't understand about all of this is it's like a two by four is a two by four, whether it's in Iowa or California, right? Mm-hmm. So why does that price so much more in California? Than it is in Iowa. In taxes. Okay, fair enough. They. That's that's what I would guess. I mean, I it's just insane to me because then then we're talking about intangible value. So, realistically, if my house was in California and it's worth eight eight hundred thousand there, mm-hmm. but here in Iowa it's worth one hundred and seventy thousand. Mm-hmm. That means there's. You know, the hundred even to me, my house is not worth hundred and seventy, but the market says that it is. So yeah. so you're telling me that somewhere there's like what, four hundred and thirty thousand dollars worth of added value just because it's in another state? I mean the house is still gonna be the same house. Yeah. So it's untangible value is yeah. how I look at it. Yeah, I don't know where I wanna say, yeah, it just stems from a bunch of well, they're, I don't know. Like their average income is higher, but what would that stem from? The fact that stuff costs more. Hmm. I mean, it has to be. They get paid more because stuff costs more. 
making six figures in California is not the same as making six figures yes. here. Yeah, that's the same thing with our housing thing we're talking about right now. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think taxes definitely do play a big part in that. Yeah. But I don't know. I'd be interested to see because us, because Florida. I mean, their houses are probably pretty expensive. Like if we mm-hmm. took your house, very and, similar, and they're no income tax. Right. I don't know. I think it also has to do with like the demand of wanting to be there, right? Like, that yes, that you know, people want to be in Florida, and there's people a shitload of people. California. There is a shitload of people there where there's Tons. not a shit. So I think that yeah, probably both of those things add a lot of value. I know demand is a real thing, but it's just mind blowing to me that the same house and that value difference would be, mm-hmm. and it and again it's. It's untangible value. It's not that the house is built any better in California. It's no. just no. You could airdrop this house over there. It'd be instantly right. worth more. Yeah. Well, yeah. the the lot I'd have to buy there would cost a lot. A lot. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, no. the The housing market's going to be something interesting to watch. I'll be curious to see if it does. Play yeah, out. I'll have like, to do some research and learn more about it because I'm definitely. Coming up in the next couple of years, going to be wanting to purchase a house. So, yeah. Well, and that might be, you know, because we'll probably be in about the same time because it'll be about the time I'll be ready to move mm-hmm. on to our next house, which yeah. is where we're hoping to end up for the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can tell you right now, and I, I'm not doing it until this stuff cools down. Oh, yeah, for sure. It just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to do it. And then we work in that industry. So we get, We'll get to see firsthand, you know, or at least hear if the housing market around here as far as new homes starts cooling down. Yeah. So yeah. that'll be something interesting to track. I'm curious to see if it has the same effect it did in 2008. A lot of economists say it's not going to because that had to do with risky lend- lending. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. All right. You want to wrap it up with the one I have here? Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, the headline is Arizona woman arrested for alleged human smuggling of migrants. And this is Fox News. Okay. Um, I don't know. I, I think I got a good idea of it, so I'm not going to really read anything. So basically, some the neighbors were thinking that this woman was holding people against her will, including their husband, which I find kind of funny. Interesting. And apparently through six months, there had been 80 to 100 people smuggled through her house, and they were paying her upwards of $15,000 to smuggle them. How do people, how do neighbors not notice this? I don't know. I I mean, I I guess if they're good, I could be. That number could be a little, I probably should have read a little bit of it, but. I guess I could, some of my neighbors could be smuggling. I could be. And they could be pretty good at it. Where's this paragraph at? One of my neighbors houses 50 bunnies at her house, and if if I wouldn't have known that, I wouldn't know that there's that many rabbits over there. So I guess yeah, so human, I, humans might be the same, I guess. So I didn't, I, it says investigators said they determined, because the police, the neighbors called, the police showed up, a vehicle took off, she got arrested, um, and there's only one, it was a Guatemalan that they got, I guess, that she was transporting. Said investigators said they determined during the probe that 80 to 100 immigrants in the 
in the country illegally were held or possessed in the home monthly held or possessed in the home monthly for at least the past six months wow that's a lot of people to be that's in and out of a house in six months yeah i'm trying to the way you just read it made it sound like there's a hundred people in and out of that house within a six month investigators said they determined during the probe that 80 to 100 immigrants in the country illegally were held or possessed in the home monthly for at least the past six months yeah yeah that's a lot of people like how do you i guess how do you not notice that yeah it said yeah charged 15k in smuggling fees so these people are making a fucking absolute killing yeah well and it's crazy right so coming from my perspective um obviously my wife is from another country Mm -hmm. and she is a legal u.s citizen her parents are now legal u.s citizens absolutely they came up they came up here um it all actually started her dad was a refugee to get out of the military down there because he was forced to be in the military. There's a threat on his life. That's what kind of started it all. Mm-hmm. They decided that when he was up here, he was everybody else was going to come up. They did it through legal channels. cost a lot of money. But they did it that way correctly. Yes. You know, and there's really not a whole lot of sympathy with them when you, when they hear things like this. I mean, they... They understand that people want to come up here because it's a better life, right? Yeah. Supposedly. Yeah. And by that, I mean, at least they're going to be in a place. It might be hard for them to be up here, especially if they're illegal, Mm -hmm. to earn a living because of the documentation and stuff that we require. Um, But at least they don't have to worry about dying. Right. Like, that's the biggest That's another thing. Speaking of dying. So, in this article, it states they had machine guns and pistols in the house. Mm -hmm. So, that's the shit that I don't really... If I'm one of those people that's wanting to get into this country illegally, like, my life is on the line. Think Mm -hmm. about the the people who are born here. If they try to get involved with that, those people are going to fight for their lives. I'm I'm not trying to, you know... No, I know exactly what you're saying. So they're they're defending these people, and it, it's kind of, it could be scary. Something hairy could have happened. Like yeah, she could have had a when she got pulled over, she could have shot cops. She could have mm-hmm. shot a bystander. She could have shot the neighbors for trying to snitch. Hundred percent. Well, and that's that's where, real shit. And think about it though. That's what they're accustomed to, right? Where some of these people come from. It's do or die. Mm-hmm. Somebody tries to rob you because they're a part of the gang in the country where you're at or they're a corrupt cop or whatever, and they decide they can just walk into your house. Your only thing is to either let them in or defend your property. Yeah. Those are your only options. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, it's just I, I don't think about that thing. So what I think about is, like, in our work, there's probably a fair share of illegals that are doing our work. We've talked about it before. We yes. don't have stats. We probably should get stats and facts and stuff, but yeah, no, that, well, that's why I think about people are taking our the work. easiest, right? Yeah. Construction's the easiest. Cause you can pay cash. You don't have to have the documentation for employment. Mm-hmm. You just don't ask questions. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, guys like that come and go. Yeah. 
and they're and they're consistently moving on. Yeah, which is an issue. You have to. Which is an issue, but it's nothing like killing somebody over right. it, right? I don't have a problem at all with somebody from another country doing what we do. The problem that I have are the guys who are here, contractors, who bring these guys up so they can do work cheaper because that is a thing. Cheap as shit. And then they that undercut our thing. prices and then they undercut. They and it might sound like, like I'm butthurt from that happening. And it's... It's a little salty. Not that I, yeah, I get salty, and it's not that I expect to have fair competition in the fact that it's business. It's business, right? We get beat out. But when you start playing those kinds of games where you're legitimately like breaking the law and potentially um, harming the welfare of other people, I kind of have a problem with that because I look at it from. Okay, they're bringing these guys up intentionally knowing they can pay them cheaper. But then that is also forcing these people, illegal or not, they have to live a certain lifestyle that might not be okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you, I think about it on both sides. Yeah. It's like, and those people are able to do that because they can work so cheap because they make all this money, which probably not considered a lot of money here. Right. It's going to be a fuckload of money somewhere else, though. Yeah. But think about what they have to do, man. I mean, that's the humanitarian side of me is like, it's not fair both ways. It's, it's not fair for the contractor to prey on these people because he knows that he can get them cheap because they're not going to be able to he find might work not anywhere even else. Be preying on those people, though. Those people might just come up to him and be like, hey, we can get this we done need, right. fucking real fast. No, and, and, there, and there are you know some I mean? like that. No, I totally agree. But you also have to understand that that guy also knows why they can do it really cheap. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, what kind of conscience do you have? I don't know. And it's like, it just comes down to what are you going to do for a dollar? Yeah. And what kind of person are you? Because there's definitely times where I've had opportunities to make money, and I'm like, that's just not who I am. I don't care how much money it is. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. I'm, there's just certain lines I'm not willing to cross. Mm-hmm. So, and that would be one of those. Like, I would not be willing to be the owner who just is like, well, I'm just not going to ask questions. Yeah, you could have hired cheap. You could have hired somebody else for probably less than half my wages. Easily. <laughs> yeah. Easily. Yeah. You know, but I'm just not willing to do that. You know, I, I would be more along the lines of somebody who is potentially up here like on a visa, right? So let's say they're not a U.S. citizen. Mm-hmm. If they're a good worker, I would be the boss who would be willing to help them go through the channels to become a citizen. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm absolutely okay with that. And, you know, my wife and my in-laws agree. Like, that's, I mean, before they moved back to El Salvador, um, my wife's parents did everything they can to help other people in their hometown become U.S. citizens. I mean, that was huge for them. Mm -hmm. Like, if they knew somebody was up here and needed to be citizenship like that, they just didn't go, okay, you're just, you're up here. Like, they're like, listen, we did this. You can do this. Let us help you do this. Right. So, so you can, you don't have to look over your shoulder all Mm -hmm. the time. I'd be interested to look up some more stats, like, because when these, Immigrants are coming over and making their money and then getting out of town. 
and mm-hmm. going to live a much better life in the country they're from because now they're considered wealthy there. Right. Like, how much money are they taking from us? And tax dollar-wise, I'd be interested to hear that number. You know, the the actual, like, financial dollar that they earn, I don't... Yeah, but collecting... I don't worry about it's the taxes. Yeah, tax... Well, yeah, that... I mean, that counts towards that pot of money. Right. Right? Collectively, how much are immigrants taking out of this country? That's the number I want to know. Yeah, and that's always going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another article that kind of touched on this this week before we wrap up and I want to look it up real quick because it was kind of funny I guess um, the Florida governor DeSantis mm-hmm. oh um, we talked about this yeah we? I yeah. guess he bust a bunch of immigrants up to the vice president's like vacation home or something <laughs> So, this is the and type now, of shit I like hearing about. Right. So here's the here's the one of the articles from Politico, um, and because there's a threat that he's gonna do it to the president's vacation home now, which, well, so get a bit hairy on Politico. DeSantis is not stopping his migrant charters, and Biden, and Biden world can't do a thing about it. There's probably little the Federal Aviation Administration can do to stop DeSantis from continuing the fights people flights people familiar with the agency's legal authorities say. The company that Florida GOP Governor Ron DeSantis used to send dozens of migrants to Martha's Vineyard operates charter flights under approvals granted by federal transportation regulators who have almost absolutely absolute power to regulate safety in the skies but there's a problem but there's probably little the faa can do to stop desantis from continuing the flights people familiar with the agency agency's legal authorities say even though president joe biden and other democrats have condemned the flights as cruel publicity stunt the same laws that give the faa its vast sway over air safety also restrict its abilities to intrude otherwise into the operations of charter companies and the migrant flights probably won't violate the FAA's regulation former agency officials say despite accusations that DeSantis and his operatives violate the migrant civil rights the FAA itself has shown little eagerness to join the fray when asked to discuss the bounds of the agency's authorities on DeSantis gamut so, why? What was that summarizing? I kind of lost. So track that was there. essentially saying that they're trying to get the FAA, which is the agency that controls the safety of the sky, okay. to say he can't fly these people to these places. I was damn okay. So I did hear that right. I was gonna make yes. a joke about it. It'd be funny if they arrested him for busing illegal immigrants, right? But <laughs> and but they can't. <laughs> and I don't, I don't think it's something that. I just think it's like one of those things where it's like this is getting too murky for us. We're just gonna stay out of it. Yeah, because that's exactly what it sounds like. Honestly, right? Yeah, because the Dems they. I don't 
I don't really know what's going on with that fucking party anyways, but because they change so fucking often. Right. But they're on the side of the illegal immigrants. Right. Per se. But yeah, that that's just funny how they're just like, now nah, we don't want any part of this. So one side can be with them and the other side can't. Right. <laughs> that's, that's, uh. So it it's kind of murky. It's it's interesting. I like that and he did that though. That's he's, funny. He's doing that intentionally to be like, listen, you guys are letting because the conspiracy kind of behind it is is that they're trying to flood the country with immigrants, right? Mm-hmm. Get them legal so that they can vote and be persuaded to vote a certain way, and that's kind of the the theory behind this. Yeah. Well, so then he doubles down. And says, listen, if you want to do that, then you figure out where to house these people. I don't want them in my state trying to figure out how to live free in my state without paying taxes, without being a registered U.S. citizen. And so he's just, here you go. Here they are. That is life. That's fair game. I like what he did there. Right. It's just a a statement, you know. Mm -hmm. So now they have to deal with it. It's like, okay, man, that's you a did stretch. it, now you get to deal with it. That's a stretch for votes, man. It is, but but think about it, right? If you're losing the votes in your own country, what's the easiest way? Bring people up here who don't, don't see what's going party, on. Maybe. Right? That would help. Change would, your ideals maybe a little bit. That'll never happen. No, let's just do the hard thing. Let's just bring all these fucking people in here. So we can win. And see what happens. Maybe the people fuck this country up. Maybe they don't. I right. Like yeah. What? Like what is your train of thought there? It's it's all about control at the end of the day, right? Yeah. It's all about control. It's definitely leaning that direction right now. Not to not to dive into a whole different topic, but it's kind of like what we were talking about with the whole climate change thing. Yeah. What can we do to produce mass fear? Because when people are afraid, we can control them. That's what, yeah, climate change, the pandemic that they stretched for fucking three years or what seemed like three years. Yep. You know the Las Vegas airport still makes you wear a mask? I believe it. There's a there there are still places that are not wearing masks and they don't enforce it. Exactly. (laughs) And that's what we should have been doing from the beginning. Like this, the whole conversation about civil unrest is it's like, you don't have to be violent. You just have to not do it. Yeah. Like, just don't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think most, I heard that on the Joe Rogan podcast. Most, most people will respond that way. Mm-hmm. If you don't do it, they're not going to enforce you. I mean, yeah, they're, you're going to find certain places are going to be, you know, oh, I'm going to take you to jail. Okay, great. But then what? I'm going to be out in 24 hours. Yeah. Go ahead. Kick me out of your store. Okay, great. I'll come back. Yeah. Like, what what are people gonna do? And I think we're gonna see that. Yeah. Coming up. I hope. Mm-hmm. So anyways, let us know your thoughts, your own opinions on some of these articles. Reach out to us on Facebook and Instagram at Blue Collar Built Podcast. We'll catch you next week.